Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Vetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. Episode 17 of the Rising Champions podcast. Kyle Bogey, Dr. Jason Devetsky of the Champion Mindset Group here with you as we sit here, what, eight days from the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. And no, mm. this isn't a golf podcast, but Doc, I know you're just as excited as I am. Yeah, I'm excited for this whole fall. I mean, the U.S. Open and then the Masters in the fall. I can't wait to see what Augusta looks like with the leaves changing colors. I think that's, we're in for a real treat. Well, and Augusta came out and announced that on that Saturday and Sunday, they're going to make sure that the round ends just prior to primetime football, I believe, on Saturday. Oh, and wow. then Sunday, just prior to the late games getting underway in the NFL. So, I mean, it just... A cornucopia of sports. Oh, perfect Saturdays <laughs> and Sundays. Uh, we also have, I think, a perfect episode of the Rising Champions podcast. Uh, we are joined by Jackie Schramm, who is uh, a caddy on the LPGA Tour, uh, a former player herself, but... Yep. In reality, I think she has so much to offer on the course and off the course. A, a great extended conversation with her. So you don't have to hear too much from us, uh, you know, yeah. next week. We'll and let that one go. Yeah, because it's going to be amazing. Really? And, and I thought, you know, some of the most interesting things that, that she brought up was the conversation about caddy, you know, because you could tell she's a competitor and, you know, she golfed all throughout her life, high school, college, she went overseas to play a little pro golf and she went mm -hmm. into, you know, those experiences. But, you know, it was hard for her almost, I don't want to say admitting, but, you know, transitioning to being a caddy as opposed to a player. And she has flourished in that role, supporting various professionals, you know, throughout their careers and has had tremendous success already. Yeah, she's a very sought out caddy. Um, she's only been doing it a few years, but she has a great reputation and a lot of the younger players, even some of the more veteran players, you know, seek out her advice um, on and off the bag, so to speak. And she's trying to maybe transition into doing what I do someday. So we'll hear about her plans for that as well. Uh, one thing I do want to bring up, it's a little off the cuff that you weren't probably prepared for. Is I that, love that. That's yeah, great. You had an amazing interview that you just did recently. So I want to hear the ins and outs of you interviewing Tom Watson. How amazing was that? It, it was, uh, it was up there, you know, obviously as, uh, as far as conversations go, he is, he's an absolute legend, you know, so yep. that, that was a tremendous honor for us. Uh, on the Metro Detroit Golfers podcast. We're, we're really excited to be doing that. And uh, I, I thought it was interesting, you know, and I asked uh, Tom Watson this because he, he talked about Jack Nicklaus lovingly almost in our yeah. conversation with him. And him and Jack went at it, you know, for many, many years. They, they, were, they were rivals, you know, whether or not it was highly publicized, you know, whether or not it was nasty behind the scenes, whatever it was. So I found it fascinating that, as you know, life and things kind of come full circle, Tom Watson, unfortunately, wasn't able to win that last open, his, what would have been his sixth you know, open championship in 2009. And sure mm -hmm. enough, the first phone call that he gets after you know, the disappointment and finishing second is from Jack Nicklaus. Mm -hmm. And you know, he said that that relationship kind of changed and evolved over time because 
I mean, let's be honest. Tom Watson could have won how many more majors if it weren't for Jack Nicklaus? I mean, you know, just like I'm sure Phil Mickelson sits there and goes, gosh, I could have won how many more majors if Tiger Woods wasn't just running away from the field. So I thought that was a really unique and and, and positive perspective uh, on things from, from Tom Watson. Yeah, I mean, that what a great interview you guys did. You did a great job. And it made me think as he was telling that story, like, I wonder if Brooks Kepka is ever going to call Dustin Johnson. <laughs> Congratulate <laughs> See, him. The thing about Brooks and some of these guys, I, I think publicly, they love to keep that reputation out there. Yeah, you know, yeah. they, they love to play that up and, you know, let people criticize them and hate them and keep that mantra up. I wonder behind the scenes if they have a laugh about it via text message. Dustin maybe, Johnson and, and maybe. Skepka, but either way, um, yeah. we, we have a great interview for you, and I appreciate you bringing that up, Doc. Uh, this is uh, Jackie Schramm, uh, a, a wonderful caddy, a, a former professional player herself uh, here on the Rising Champions podcast. This is episode 17. I think you'll really enjoy it. All right, well, we're really excited uh, to to talk with you, Jackie, and we appreciate you joining us here on the Rising Champions podcast. And uh, I guess first things first, because I know Doc is is loaded and ready to go with a bunch of good questions as well, but I, I've always been fascinated by this, so I, I guess we can just start here. How does one go from being a, a golfer and a player to then all of a sudden transitioning to be a caddy because I find it to be one of the more fascinating careers that you, you can end up doing, whether it be on the LPGA or the PGA tour. That's a great question. (laughs) Um, I guess, uh, I guess being around the game as much and helping other people and seeing their games and watching them, you know, you just know that there's something that's kind of missing in their game and you just want to help them get to the next step or help them win I mean, I guess that's how it happened for me. I stopped, I was playing and, you know, after the round, I wouldn't focus on myself. I'd focus on other friends out there and help them and, you know, be encouraging for them, but not as encouraging for myself. So then it started being like, well, why don't I just caddy for you? Let's just do this as a team. Let's work together. And it just kind of spun off from there. Yeah, that's interesting. So we know, Jackie, that um, you were a tremendous high school golfer in this community, uh, went on to play collegiate golf, and then, as Kyle said, kind of transitioned. Well, you played pro for a little while. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. You know, you played overseas a little bit and and tried to make the jump to play yourself before getting to caddying. Tell us a little bit about that journey, if you can, just a little bit about overseas and come at it from the mental side. Like, how much of it was a grind? How difficult was it mentally uh, to try to make it to play professional golf? I think it was a mental grind because I'm not like a lot of other players that went right from high school to college to playing. I took a good five years off and I chose to then, you know, I didn't want to get older and realize like, why didn't I ever give it a chance? And I can't really say that I fully gave it 110%. I mean, I started working with Dr. Noveski during it. And then, you know, I had to deal with a couple of injuries in the, you know, in the middle of that all. And I just, I don't know, I just kept on trying, but it's a grind and financially and mentally and just trying to figure out like, am I supposed to be doing this? Am I not supposed to be doing this? And really just trying to get a whole entire sport team behind you to also believe in you. Yeah, I think that's very admirable because, you know, I have a lot of athletes that we talk about goals or how hard it's going to be to make it to a certain level. 
And the fact that, you know, Jackie came and, and, you know, played high school and college golf, took some time off, but then realized like, I still have this unfulfilled dream or, you know, something still down deep inside that I want to make sure that I, I take care of. And even if it didn't work out the way she originally planned, she knew she gave it a shot. Uh, and she literally came into my office the first day, Kyle, wearing a boot on her foot. <laughs> did, <laughs> I a, have, did I not have crutches? Crutches, a boot on her foot, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay, so how are we doing this? And she's like, well, this is part of the deal. I got to get over this injury. And, and we started working together uh, pretty regularly. And then uh, even traveled out to Arizona to meet her swing coach and her strength coach. And she had a whole team behind her uh, to make that push. And uh, eventually you did end up overseas. Tell us a little bit about that experience. I think it was just an opportunity that I couldn't pass up in uh, South Africa. They have, it's called the Sunshine Tour. And I had some friends that were going and, you know, even though my game wasn't at the top or where I really wanted it to be, it was just one of those adventures that I'm going to take the opportunity and it's affordable over there to play. It's expensive to get there, but yeah. it's affordable to be over there. Uh, just, um, tour around and see it was quite an experience. So uh, uh, interesting for me, I guess, you know, again, as we kind of go back to the transition from you being a player to, to now, you know, you of course being a caddy, was there a certain point where, you know, you spent your entire life in golf, you know, your, your dad was a member at Indian Wood, if my research is correct. And, you know, you grew up around the game, you played in high school, you played in college, you played a little professionally, but, you know, I guess, did you have ambitions to do other things or did it just kind of evolve that golf was just going to be, you know, a part of your life forever? It was going to be a career essentially for you, even if it wasn't as a player. Um, well, I, I, wow, that's, you did some research. That's a, that's a lot uh, there, I know. <laughs> well, really though, I didn't just focus on golf. I actually didn't really start playing competitive golf until the age of 14, 15. And I had a big life decision in high school to decide whether or not I was going to play high school golf or high school soccer. And that was at that time of being 15 years old was a big life decision. That's and the worst. Yeah. It was. Oh, coaches were there. My dad was there. I was crying. <laughs> it was it was a whole big thing. But, you know, I, I knew that I could get a college scholarship out of uh, out of golf. And I still played on a travel, a travel soccer team and stuff like that. But I knew golf could go a lot further than soccer, uh, you know, especially because there's so many females that do play soccer. Mm -hmm. So I'm not mad about my decision because it's led me to the LPGA tour, but I mean, golf is one of those sports that can stay with you for a very long time. And I have a lot of friends now that are really getting into the game of golf and they're like, what? I can't believe it took me so long to play this game. <laughs> I'm like, see, I told you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then let's keep going about the transition to being a caddy and, and you know, you maybe the first time that you were between the ropes and, and the difference is there carrying the bag instead of pulling the clubs out to hit them, hit them. Oh, wow. Um, well, actually I was still playing at the time and I, a uh, former LPGA player for many, many years, Maura Dunn is actually the first time I was in between the ropes caddying for her uh, back in 2016 in Ohio, 
And I lived with her and she's always been a mentor as long as well as Chris Tamales. They were like my older sisters out on tour and always helped me and guided me. And I lived with both of them at different times in Florida to, you know, work on my game and stuff. So they've given me a lot of inside information. And so it was, it was different, but it was fun. I kept doing it. Well, I guess the, the obvious question would be, you know, when you're the caddy, you're, you're not the one maybe that is dealing with all the pressure and you're, you might not be the one that, you know, potentially could be, you know, having to answer questions, I guess, if things go awry, but in reality, you still kind of are because you are talking out, okay, what club are you going to hit on this hole? You know, what's the wind doing, you know, with the pin placement, should you hit this shot or that shot? So I guess how different is it as a player knowing if you screw up the shot, you know, you're going to have to deal with that. But as the caddy, you're telling them, no, this, this is the shot. This is the number you need to go with that. And if you're wrong, I mean, you're responsible essentially to the player. It's happened before. So, <laughs> I bet, yeah. <laughs> um, it's happened. And, you know, I think coming from a player and knowing what it's like to be a player and hit a bad shot, and then also coming from a caddy and, you know, trusting the caddy and being, you know, hearing what the caddy has to say and stuff like that. And then it just all kind of all crumble and not be what you Is thought. it worse? Is it worse failing as a caddy than as a player? I – Probably, yeah. I, yeah. Think so. I, mean, <laughs> I thought that's where you were going. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, is, you don't want to let your players down ever. And you're always there to be encouraging and and only, only hope for the best for them, for both of you, actually. So, I mean, there's a million times where you're standing there and you're like, yep, the wind's in two from the left. And then all of a sudden it's like down from the right. And you're like... Oh, this just turned and you're there and you're standing you're like do I pull them off do I not pull them off do I pull you have a lot of talk in your own mind when you're <laughs> yeah and when you're playing so that's a good transition into let's talk about the mental side of this in terms of you know based on what you and I worked on you know and you came with a lot of good skills when you first saw me uh you learned some more and now you're taking that same a uh, set of tools from your mental skills toolbox out there on tour with you to help these players. What are some of the main mental strategies or aspects of the mental game? Do you find yourself talking about coaching your players on helping other people out as well? Cause I know you do that. What, what seems to be some of the hot topics that come up from the mental side? Number one hot topic would be process. Uh, we have to stick to the process. Even when things start to go south or go well, I always watch my players. I don't know if they know this, but I watch my players to know if they're doing the same routine. And the minute that I see that they're not doing the same routine, it's easy for me to kind of just remind them, like, listen, let's stick to the process. Let's go over everything, it, you know. We and I guess the biggest thing is to just be patient because mm. and to not control the outcome, <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't focus too much on the outcome as well. So, going through what, what you went through, you know, giving it a shot, going overseas, you know, playing professional golf, and, and now transitioning to a different form, does it give you a, a different form of appreciation knowing what you know Sophia Popov was able to do? at the British Open recently because she was, you know, teetering on the edge, you know, hanging on, trying to continue to, to compete. 
and all of a sudden she wins the open and now of course exemptions and she's in majors and her obviously won a ton of money i mean let's you know let's be clear on that but like you know all of these things are happening for her, but that takes a ton of perseverance to just continue believing in yourself continue trying and then ultimately get over the hump you know whereas there are other players you know who maybe like you who gave it a shot you did what you could you could have kept going and who knows if it would have you know paid off in that big way i guess yeah and you know when you're out here for a really long time you're gonna have struggles i think a lot of things too like happen at home you miss a lot of things that you want to be at um weddings and family reunions and stuff that you miss so there's a lot of other pressure that goes on you know when you're traveling week in and week out so to see you know some of the girls that have gone through a lot of struggling for a long time and then all of a sudden like have a breakthrough moment it's really awesome to watch because there's there is downtimes and you have to understand those downtimes but sometimes it's harder to see like the glory or the holding the trophy at the end of the tunnel because you know tougher times can bring you to tougher things so it makes it all worth it in the end it does make it all worth it in the end yeah. yeah. So Jackie, talk to us a little bit about some of the type of coaching that you're doing, or maybe a story from one of your players and examples of really good use of some of the mental skills that you now know about. Well, I can bring this one up and this is about Sophia. Sophia is actually a good friend of mine and I have caddied for her before and she was going through up and down times out there on the golf course and i just kept on talking to her about hey you know like let's just stay patient let's you know keep going like to never give up don't you know don't don't give up because you never know what can happen and i actually have two things about sophia sure but <laughs> she um she's great she i couldn't be happier for her and the first time so this season when she was think of it yeah when she was playing in this metro event she did tell me that she what she i think she was five over with three holes to play and um, she thought of me in her head by saying <laughs> don't give up you can make the cut there you know what the cut's gonna go to keep going keep going and she ended up birding the last three holes to make the cut on the number and she was just so excited that, you know, she never did give up. She didn't throw in the towel and say, you know what, whatever, next week's another week. But she kept trying till the very end. And that was really nice to hear because, you know, it just goes to show you that no matter what, like, you got to just finish strong with everything that you do. And, um, you know, and then another thing about Sophia is that she – came up to me when we were in Ohio and she was caddying for Ann Van Dam and she was very excited that she was like, I never even thought about this, but you know, you just see golf from a different side when you're a caddy and you can be a lot more patient and understanding and see things that like is completely different from a player perspective. And mm -hmm. I am happy that she got to experience that too in a, you know, a LPGA event. And then maybe that helped propel her to that big win. I think it did. <laughs> Absolutely.
<laughs> so Jackie, you're also transitioning and you've talked to me about this, that you want to also kind of get into this mental coaching um, at some point as well. W- what are the reasons that you want to do that? And, and where do you see that going for you or how has it been going for you? It's been going really well. Uh, why have I, well, one, I have a good mentor, Dr. Novak. Oh, well, that's not what I doctor. wanted you to say. <laughs> um, but I think it's just, I think because I struggled so much with my mental game as a player and, you know, sometimes during certain things in life that it's uh, nice to have an understanding of it all so that you can help someone else that you see that's going down, that's in a rut or that just needs to kind of align things in a better way so that they're able to be successful. Jackie, I think our listeners and especially our young players would be very interested to hear about how things go behind the scenes when you're mentally preparing you and your player for a round or for a tournament. Like, it's probably not all glamorous as it looks. There's probably a lot of hard work and grinding and you getting up early and going out in the course and, you know, getting your book filled out for your yardages and things like that. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and what that's like? Yes, it is a grind. Uh, Very early mornings and lots of work that you put into it on the golf course. Uh, And then a lot of time that you spend on the driving range and practicing and stuff like that. So mapping out and I think course management is really important. And I think that that's another thing that I would love to teach is course management. Course management is huge because when you break it down a little simpler, then it's easier to uh, to play in a tournament. So I guess for anyone who's young and playing, you know, do your work and work effectively and take your, you know, take good notes and stuff like that, but don't, don't just be out there just to be out there. Like get your work done and do it with a purpose and then move on to the next day. That's, that's really good advice. So you, you say the younger players, I'm 31, I'm not that young anymore, but you know what? If it's a 330 yard par four, I'm ripping drivers so that I can just chip onto the green, okay? So you need to talk to me as much as the younger people. That's fine, I mean, and you can do that. Or you can hit a three one if you're more comfortable with like a nine iron. Yeah, well, we've had these conversations on the golf course and on this show many times. Kyle and I are very different players where- I'm, I'm getting so- better. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll hit a five iron off the tee sometimes and just, okay, just get to the 150 stake, maybe a little further in and you're fine, yeah. you know, just put it on the green, but it's hard. It's hard not to do that. You know? Yeah. It is hard. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's hard too when there's some players and they're hitting their driver really well, but you know, you've practiced three wood all week and you're like, no, we're still hitting three wood. We're going to hit three wood as our game plan. We don't need to hit driver. Cause you never, you know, you, you're just flirting with stuff, and there's sometimes no need to flirt with certain things. You know, that's interesting you bring that up because, like, you have the game plan, right? And you get maybe things change during the tournament, or you got to make different decisions, or maybe you're disagreeing with your player. And I remember Bones and Phil Mickelson talking a lot about how Bones always had one veto a year. <laughs> and I, so I wondered, like, do you have conversations like that with your players that you work with that, like, you know what? I'm making the call here, even though they're the boss. Does that ever happen? I guess it might have just happened at Inverness. Uh, we were in Inverness, and that. Who were you with? 
we're, I was with Cheyenne Woods and it was great practice round days. We did a great job at planning out our, our game plan for the week and the course was running out really well and the rough was thick and the greens were fast and you know, there were some greens where you needed to land it just, you know, three or four paces on because it would roll all the way to the back of the green. Hmm. And we had this whole game plan. And then the first day of the tournament came and it was pouring rain hmm. the whole day and it was windy and we, everything changed. <laughs> so some of the holes that we definitely needed to hit through wood or that we planned on hitting three one when the wind is into your face and it's raining, it was okay to hit driver. And we both did agree on that. Um, you know, so there's, there's times and elements that you need to change your game plan, but it's good to know. And sometimes during those practice rounds, that's why you hit your driver and your three wood off the tee to see where mm -hmm. you may end up and what, like, is it worth it or not? That's a great idea. Something to bring up with a lot of players to do that. So I, I guess moving forward for you, um, just to, you know, kind of wrap this up a little bit. Um, what, what are your plans, you know, moving forward? You know, I, I guess, do, do you have, you know, bigger aspirations than catting? You've talked about, you know, working, you know, with people on the mental game and, and things like that. I guess what, you know, plans change obviously in life, but, you know, over the next 10 years or so, what, what, what do you envision for yourself? Gosh, 10 years from now, it's a long way. I don't want to think about that either. I'll be in my 40s, so I yeah. understand. Yeah. I'm just looking forward to Portland next week. And <laughs> it's going to be a good week. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, I, w I just want to help as many players as I can and help them from, you know, at any level reach their goals and – see what I can do from there. And even in all sports, it doesn't have to just be golf because all sports deal with mental aspects and also settling your mind from, you know, your normal life stuff to be able to perform well is really one of the goals, I guess, in the next 10 years. See, that that's a caddy answer right there, okay? I was going for the long form, you know, hit driver and see what happens. She she lays up, you know, with a five or a six iron right there. Just, you know what, one shot at a time. I like yeah. that. I'm definitely a one shot at a time person, <laughs> and I love to say, I love to say to my players, stay patient, just stay patient. You know, just in Arkansas last week uh, with Jackie Stoltein, we were on fire the first day and the next two days I just said, sorry, right, just stay patient. They'll drop. They'll drop. Just stay patient. Just stay patient. Yeah, you guys finished pretty well. Yeah. That's good. That's well, Jackie, fantastic. thank you so much for being on. I think this can be very helpful and useful for a lot of our younger listeners and very fascinating for us older guys as well, uh, just to hear what kind of goes on behind the scenes and different journeys that different people can take to get to the goal that they want to get to. Yeah, there's definitely, there's not one way to get there, but I do think the mental game is the only way to get there. That's well said. Yeah. Boy, that was but, a perfect way to end it. We'll just yes. leave it at that. Yes, thank you, Jackie, so much. This is great. Thank <laughs> we you appreciate so. it. If uh, anyone has any questions, they're able to reach out. That's no problem. Awesome. How can they find you, Jackie, on social media? Yep, you can find me on Instagram at Jacqueline Kate underscore golf. Okay, awesome. Perfect. Thanks again for being here.
Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode. 